0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the View from the Nest podcast, where we talk about all things index co-op and some crypto wisdom in general. I'm AG, community contributor to the co-op, and uh, I'm joined by Paul, who goes by Dark Forest Capital on our social media channels and forums. Um, it's It's been another exciting week at the co-op. What's, uh, what's happening, Paul? What's going on?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure about crypto wisdom, but definitely I can uh, contribute something, I think, towards what we're talking about. Um, I think today we've obviously got our interview with Monet Supply coming up at the end of the newsletter run through, which is really good. Um, he had a lot of interesting stuff to say about governance and he's poked his head into our forum on Index go a couple of times. So it's, uh, yeah, it's good to get his thoughts and on governance as a whole within DeFi. In terms of what we've been up to, we have been focused on product mainly for the last sort of week. We've had CGI and then a couple of proposals in the forum. And we've also had a a vote on MVI. So I think we should probably jump into CGI in a bit more detail first. Did you want to talk us through the launch?
0: Yeah, CGI obviously is our product in partnership with CoinShares the Golden Crypto Assets Index that that launched on Monday last week. There's been some kind of mainstream media publicity. We also recorded a podcast with Michael talking about the fund. And I think it's up to about half a million in liquidity on Uniswap, which which is rather good and allows people to, to actually get into the product. And uh, yeah, I think we're still figuring out how to push it and, and how to promote it. And it's sort of a challenge for us that we're going to be facing, I think, in terms of just understanding how, how we manage all these products, right? How, how, do we, how do we market each one of them? How do we, like, who focuses on what and things of that nature? But definitely extremely excited to have CGI on board and and launched and we really hope it's going to be a kind of a big hit in space
1: yeah i mean we've been talking about it for long enough at this point on the newsletter and the, and the podcast so it's good to finally see it out there in the wild um got off to a bit of a slow start on the liquidity side but the uh, market main makers stepped in pretty quickly and like you say it's now up to almost half a million on uniswap so um yeah people can start picking up an allocation there If they're ready to on the other side of things we had um our own proposal for the metaverse index go through decision gate one this week and it was really good to see that like uh, me and you obviously took to twitter and discord and all of the whales that we obviously know being the the high rollers that we are um to push everybody to vote and it worked we got 65 (coughs) excuse me 65 voters uh pushing 100 um like voting 100% for with 154,000 index tokens. So, yeah, I was really happy with that. And I think we've done a great job convincing everybody that it's, it's the right product. Now what we need to do is get our ducks in a row, make sure the liquidity is there, um, obviously have set engineering, take a, a deep look at it and make sure that they're happy with it before we can put a final proposal out and, and move towards launch.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there is just, it, it's a slightly different product, I think, from what we've launched so far. It's a bit similar to DPI where it is a sector index, right? But I think the definition of decentralized finance is a bit more narrow than what we're going for with metaverse, right? It covers such a wide range of of narratives. And the space is also very nascent. And because of it, there is a lot of kind of grassroots enthusiasm, right? And and that's sort of what we see a little bit in in, in the voting and in kind of community's response, right? A, a lot of grassroots support for it. And uh, yeah, like you said, we need to jump through a few more uh, procedural uh, hoops to get this going. I think a lot of us believe that 2021 is going to be a massive year for the space. And we only threw the first two months and uh, it's a good time to uh, to roll this product out.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think everybody's sort of getting sick of us talking about it now and they'd rather that it was just released. Hopefully we don't follow suit with uh, DPI and CGI both being launched like at, at local tops, but it seems like with the timing at the moment, we, we could very well end up doing that with MVI as well, but we'll just have to see how it goes. Uh, you mentioned there about like the community and... and Certainly seeing some like smaller holders voting for it, but being really passionate about it, like rallying around that as a product. I think that brings us nicely on to like, in terms of community, another product that was put forward in the forum this week, which is the Bitcoin, Ethereum and DPI portfolio. And the, pro- the proposal actually came from the guys at Bankless. So you don't really get a much bigger and more, how do we put it, hardened or enthusiastic community than. Like bankless advocates effectively, so it was great to see them like coming in, getting behind the meme of bed and and getting involved and in putting something forward. Uh, I know you had some thoughts on that and you jumped in the forum to share them. So so what are you thinking about this product?
0: Yeah, I think it, it's it's an interesting one, right? because on on one side, it could be an absolutely massive product, right? because like for, for anyone really in crypto, you want to be holding bitcoin ethereum and and some defi like that's that's just a no brainer it's the simplest laziest allocation to crypto and and it works so the potential market is huge but then on on the other hand it's a very simple product it can be fairly easily constructed as a balancer pool for example with with no cost to, to the token holder. And then also people who are already in DeFi, they sort of already hold those tokens, right? And and they can, if you hold them separately, you can go and you put your ETH into Amora or some other place where you can earn interest on it. And the same with Wrapped BTC. So to existing DeFi users, it, it makes a little less sense to buy a token holding the underlying. So, but for the audience of kind of people new to crypto, this would be ideal, but that audience is on centralized exchanges. And I, I kind of feel like getting this product on centralized exchange, not, not just one, but mo- most of the major ones is sort of a prerequisite. And, and for that to happen, like at least all the underlying tokens need to be on the centralized exchange and dpi is not at the moment so there, there's you know that there are some trade-offs there and, and i think there is um, there's definitely a lively debate on the forum and certainly look forward to engaging with bankless community on on that proposal going forward
1: okay so that's a bit of a catch-22 there really because we need to get dpi onto centralized exchanges in order to address the market but we're talking about launching this as like a, a DeFi token, which would only be on DEXs to begin with. So, yeah, like you say, a, a couple of like hurdles with it that we need to overcome first. There is something, though, that people can do with their DPI right now, and that's put it into a pool together. Um, and that was a partnership that I understand you had some hand in like getting launched?
0: Yeah, yeah. So our own Lemonade Alpha sort of came up with this idea of a, a pull together lottery um, a while back now. I think it's, it's been probably a month or so. And then he reached out to a pull together team on Twitter, I think, as he does, and kind of pulled me into that conversation. And uh, I, I've been talking to Layton at, at pull together about the details and, and trying to get a sense of what we can do and how we can do it. And then it sort of went a little bit dormant on on our side until we reinvigorated those discussions more recently. So yeah, definitely exciting, exciting partnership. It sort of coincided with uh, together launching their own token and and that really skyrocketed their TVL. But I think for a lot of people who just buy DPI and and they don't want to provide liquidity, this is a good option. And- we are providing decent incentives and at the current at the current index price, it's uh, about two grand a week. And there's about 400K, 450,000 in the pool right now. And we are actually giving prizes to the top four uh, winners, not top four, but four winners get equal allocation of 25 tokens per week. So the chance are pretty decent. And uh, it, it's a You know, it's an exciting partnership, an exciting engagement opportunity for our community and and something you can do with your DPI, like you said.
1: Yeah, it's great to see it. Um, Obviously, we haven't kicked off any intrinsic productivity for DPI yet, so it's just nice to have another option for people. And I'm gonna have to issue a like retractment of my statement there, because in the newsletter I actually said it was 100 index per week going to one winner, but uh, I didn't realize it was for four people. So that makes the odds a little bit higher, which is nice. Um, but yeah, it's good to see that you know we've got a decent amount of liquidity going in there and it's giving DPI holders something to do. So that's great. On to the forum, then we could do a quick fire round on some of the other things because it was a busy week. Um we saw Chris from DeFi Pulse come on with the monthly rebalance for DPI, and that included Sushi, which was great to see. I know a lot of people have been clamouring for Sushi to be included. And uh, we're obviously in conversation with the Sushi team, um, sushi swap team. So, yeah, it's just good to get that sort of collaboration and partnership going and, and see a, a fantastic team, like, be included in DPI. Because it, it is, although it was kind of formed on potentially rocky ground as a fork of Uniswap, it, the team have obviously proved that they're in it for the long haul, they're innovative, they work and they build and they deliver. So, yeah, I think it's a really strong addition to DPI.
0: It's interesting because Sushi during this uh, sell-off, right, it actually held up really well. And I wonder if the news of Sushi being added to DPI had something to do with it. And uh, also I think Sushi got added to um, one of Idao's products as well. So, uh, you know, a, a few tailwinds there for uh, Sushi, but I would certainly echo your comments that the team is top notch and they're innovating in the space and pushing out new products, which is uh, exciting.
1: Yeah, it's great to see. Um, next up, we had OverAnalyzer trying to set out like a liquidity mining strategy for not just DPI, but now like including potentially cgi and, and what are we going to do with our other our other projects or our other products sorry um and then also thinking about do we split liquidity away from uniswap what's our l2 strategy it's quite a large task to grapple with and a lot of uh, the community have got involved with that discussion so that's something that we're going to need to thrash out over the coming week
0: yeah it's it's a challenge right because liquidity is obviously very important to every single project in, in DeFi, right? But our Uniswap pool has, I don't know, 50, 60 million of liquidity, which is great. But, you know, it, it gives us a bit, a bit of room to play around with other uh, protocols and other incentive structures. And and we just, the space is so new that it's so challenging to objectively, assess like how allocating liquid, uh, incentives to a different liquidity pool would affect the volume or, or the outcomes, right? I think a lot of what we do in DeFi is really around just experimenting and, and trying to learn based on kind of real life experience, because otherwise it, it's just impossible to, to forecast or to predict or project these things. And like you said, L2 is is a major topic for for 2021. Um, you know, Optimism I think are coming out with their mainnet in in March, and more and more projects are coming out with their L2 solutions. And how do we think about that, right? Like, do, what do we need to do to give our users a better experience, a, a cheaper experience, and, and a kind of ability to get involved with our products in in a way that's most convenient. So definitely a lot, a lot to talk about on the liquidity mining side. Um, But, you know, I think we'll get there.
1: Yeah, definitely we'll get there. Um, I found it a little ironic, to be honest, because I see the way that we measure ourselves um, in terms of like unincentivized AUM and the job that we're doing, by like focusing on these metrics and, and making sure that we are getting the best ROI on these liquidity mining incentives and, and giving away the index token sort of sparingly, like we put so much focus onto this and we're really super focused on making sure that it, it all adds up at the end of the day. But when you look at us compared to our competitors, we're smashing them across the board on all of these metrics, whether it's incentivized or unincentivized uh, AUM. So while it's obviously the right thing to be doing, like we are streets ahead of where everybody else is. So that, that kind of speaks to the organization and, and the way that we like approach things in terms of, like I said, making sure that we get the best return on our investment. Um, which, which links as well to another thing that we saw this week, which was Greg from the organization team jumping in the forum and talking about our North Star metrics. So. What are we going to be looking at to guide us as the index go up as a whole? And then diving down a little bit deeper into those and setting ourselves some key performance indicators around uh, whether that's TVL or trading volume, whatever it might be.
0: Yeah. And, and that's another post that is generating quite a bit of conversation. I think it's, it would be, and, and I think it was initially much easier to do when we had one product right? And, and so now that we have two products with Fly coming out, uh, hopefully next week, and the metaverse, as well as the, the token terminal index, which I think we'll hopefully talk about next week, it's, it's getting much harder to kind of figure out what are some of the metrics that allow us to understand progress across the suite of products. And, and that's, I think that's something we'll also grapple with and figure out in the end. But it's certainly the complexity of running the co-op is, is definitely kind of increasing with every new product that we launch.
1: Yeah, I know that in terms of trying to reduce complexity, uh, actually, we had a community member, Mr. Medilla, who this week has started putting out something called the weekly flyer. So that's kind of like a one-pager with all the key data, um, all the key forum updates, where we are with our product additions, like the onboarding process. Uh, And we really need these kind of things now that we're, like you say, starting to expand beyond just focusing on DPI. We've got all of these other products coming online. So we need a holistic approach and, and to try and boil everything down as best we can so that people have something they can refer to, And and just get an update really quickly. And I know that um, Mr. Medilla's plans for that are to have it like tweeted out so that we can obviously share it more widely and then have it exist on the forum, hopefully in a pinned post so that um, either people who are heavily involved or even newcomers to the project can just jump in. And as soon as they get into the forum, they see that at the top and they can look at, okay, where are we with our metrics? Where are we with the index token? What's been going on in the forum? And all of that good stuff all in one place so it's really good to to have that kind of information
0: so it's a slightly different take on the newsletter uh
1: yeah it's not as good as the newsletter obviously but um yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah it i think so we did have this discussion um between myself and mr Medilla. so i i see the newsletter as being there for people who are like obviously very interested in the co-op, but they don't quite have time to like keep up with what's going on, and and it gives them a the highlight reel effectively. And then obviously we cover it in the podcast as well. Whereas the weekly flyer is more for somebody who is wanting to get involved and go and have their say, and it gets them up to speed really quickly with where we are on a number of different conversations, and gives them like some important data to reference in case they're you know getting involved in liquidity mining conversations or something, for example.
0: Yeah. Okay. Oh, that, that that makes sense. Well, I think it sort of wraps up our newsletter section.
1: Okay, so that's about it for our newsletter. And I think it's about time that we jump in with our guest this week, who is Mono Supply. Um, he's a governance delegate at Uniswap, Aave and Compound. And he also does a bit on the risk side at Maker. He's even been known to jump into the Index Co-op forum from time to time. So welcome, Mono Supply. Yeah,
2: thank you so much for uh, having me. Glad to be here.
1: Yeah, it's great to have you. And I guess the first thing I should check is that I'm pronouncing Monet correctly, because I did get some stick from some other community members when I was mentioning your name before.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, you got it. I uh, I was shooting for the money supply handle, but it was taken many years ago, so I, I settled.
1: Yeah, I think this one is uh, a bit smarter anyway, so... You can roll with it. Um, do you want to give us a bit of an intro about yourself and like how you got into crypto first of all?
2: Yeah, um, I only got into crypto about a year ago, but previously to that, I'd been working for a uh, fintech uh, company called Lending Club for about four years, which was really interesting. They, you know they try to be innovative in in how they can, but um, I kind of had an inside look of like, How traditional finance is really tough to innovate in. And then, as it happens, uh, Lending Club took a big hit in May of last year due to the kind of like COVID financial crisis. So I got laid off around then. And then I had been just kind of like as an investor, um, starting to put a little bit of money into crypto and uh, DeFi around that same time. So it was like a really great uh, opportunity for me to. Just kind of dive in now that I was, you know, had a ton of time on my hands. So yeah, great, great timing to uh, to get laid off.
1: Yeah, really good timing on that one. And it sounds like your story is quite similar to uh, a number of other people that I've spoken to, which is you have kind of seen how uh, inefficient traditional finance can be, um, and then when you get exposed to DeFi, it just seems like you know it's, it's a natural fit, and it kind of answers some questions that a lot of people have about how do we make this run. Better and more efficiently. We've seen you around the space quite a bit. As I said in the intro, you're you're involved with a number of projects, and and mainly around governance. Like, how come that was a, a natural fit for you?
2: Um, yeah. When I um, when I went to college, I studied kind of like a broad base of stuff, but uh, mainly in philosophy, um, and then a little bit of economics. So it's really interesting to be able to like. Contribute in an area where you you get to like decide or, or help determine how organizations work um, and kind of thinking deeply about that. Uh, I think for me, it was also it was really good timing that I I got laid off and suddenly had a lot of time right as the the DeFi boom was kind of kicking off in like May, June of, of last year. Protocols were releasing governance tokens and starting to have like huge TVL and even accumulating like big treasuries. But up to that point, you know, it was, it was kind of all new. Everything had previously just been held by like core teams and foundations. So it was like, you know, just kind of like an opportunity uh, presented itself to start contributing. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not really sure how I I like landed into it, but it was just, you know, it kind of really meshed with, with my interest. And then uh, nobody else was, was really focused on that or doing it at the time, so I, I just hopped in and suddenly had a lot of opportunities.
1: Cool. It sounds like, you, yeah, it was more of an opportunity to like put some theory into practice, really, and the timing of your arrival up as well. It must have been like right on the cutting edge of everything, and and still is. Mm-hmm. So, what are some of the the key things that you've learned along the way, or do you have any like mental models that you that you use for thinking about governance in DeFi?
2: I think um, crypto people have a tendency to reinvent the wheel or like think that they're building like entirely new mechanisms from scratch when sometimes they are and and other, you know, more often they're actually not. They're kind of uh, re-implementing structures that have been built up over decades and centuries. So um, I think understanding corporate governance is like a really good jumping off point to Thinking about DeFi governance, a lot of like kind of the stakeholder groups are pretty similar. You have users, you have token holders, kind of like shareholders, and then you have contributors, um, which is where it gets a little bit different because it's the line between being just a token holder and then being like a part of the company or or working for the organization is intentionally, I think, a little bit more fluid and, and blurred for a decentralized org. But that's, that's how I typically think about it is like, how can we think of like all the different controls and like legal safeguards and minority investor protections that exist in, in uh, corporate governance and then kind of re-implement them uh, in DeFi, but without, you know, having a like a legal system that you get to fall back on when something goes wrong.
1: Okay, so you've been spending some of your time on like corporate governance in the, in the real world, as it were, sort of learning from there, from almost from first principles, I guess. Um, In in that case, then, is there anything like really innovative that you've seen that actually you think, wow, no, this is a a good way to approach it?
2: I think there's like early stages of some like really innovative ways that are going to change governance versus what we have with the corporate sphere. Like, you know people haven't made a lot of progress on making this work yet but ideas about quadratic voting or um, trying to like weight votes for smaller holders a little bit more i think that's that's an interesting way that that organizations like try to align like kind of the ownership stakeholders with the user stakeholders i also think that liquidity mining in, in a way it's you know it's part of it's just intended to like you know boost the business and, and get more users but it's also kind of interesting to act, like try and make the users and the owners sort of one in the same by distributing ownership rights to users themselves. So yeah, I think those, uh, as, as people work more on that, that'll be really interesting. Uh, I guess one last thing is governance rights that are uh, like non-transferable. Like um, I'm thinking of like DXDAO, for instance, uh, they have the DXD token, which gives you like kind of like the rights to earnings, um, but they also have reputation, which you can only get by uh, contributing to the DAO. And then the reputation is actually what sort of decides the governance decisions.
0: Great, so I have a quick one for you. Do you think that as it relates to corporate governance, right, uh, the DAO governance or, or decentralized governance, is, is the main improvement or the main thing that we're trying to address is in line with the kind of ownership economy thesis, where you as a user have an opportunity to also govern protocol? Like, Do you think that is sort of the main point, the main benefit and innovation around the DAO governance?
2: I think that's one of the main benefits is that, you know, hopefully if people handle these distribution of the the governance tokens well, um, you'll end up with like a more representative ownership body than you have in like traditional corporations. And, you know, if if the owners and the decision makers are more representative of the users, you'll just have like better aligned outcomes. I think that's one benefit. Uh, I guess one other benefit, which is kind of just like general blockchainy stuff is it's, potentially like harder to change the rules uh, out from under people. Yeah, with, with corporate governance, you know, the US could just pass another law that changes how everything works. But um, you can have like a little bit more assurance that, you know, these systems are going to not have the rug pulled from under you.
1: Okay, so you mentioned liquidity mining there. Um, like one of the things that we've been talking about in the index co-op is how to incentivize governance. Um, we think that it's quite important for the index token and the index cooperative as a whole, given that we do something a little bit unique in the space in that we we govern ourselves using the index token, but it also allows index holders to govern the protocols that are underlying within our products. Um, And that's a by a process that we refer to as meta governance. So for example, in DPI, obviously it's got Aave, Uniswap, Compound, all the usual suspects in there. And we can vote on proposals within those. Um, What are your thoughts on, like, or what have you seen in terms of getting user engagement and and voter engagement? And and what are the best models for, like, avoiding voter apathy? Because I think that's really something important for us as the Index Co-op that we we want to avoid. I think
2: Index uh, already does pretty well on that because you know with with your meta governance voting you use snapshots so it it removes a lot of like you know the cost at least of of participating which is you know even for me it's it's a big blocker where sometimes i'm like deciding is this vote worth $20 so i appreciate that that index is already focusing on like making sure the scalability elements uh, are not a deterrent some protocols i know makers Thinking about this, of like ways to incentivize people to like stake their tokens for governance, or you know incentivizing participating and in actually voting in governance. I tend to be a little bit skeptical of that because uh, it creates opportunities for Yearn or other aggregators to basically like automate the yield farming part of it or like the the return part of it, and then it ends up concentrating all of the voting power within those aggregators so I think paying people to vote or to like stake in some governance contract uh, it can potentially like have not the, the impact that you want where like basically it'll just centralize the decision-making. Um, I think that's, it's, it's a really tough, tough issue to actually, you know, think of like what, what can you do to incentivize people to vote that doesn't just get them to like put their token in some sort of automated strategy.
1: Yeah. It's definitely tough. I mean, we've been thinking about it for a while and trying to sort of manage that balance between um, getting people engaged and rewarding them and having like community feel like they have input uh, versus, you know, just getting stuff done. And it's like trying to try and balance those two things is quite difficult. I think one of the models that I've certainly looked at and, and synthetics, like they sort of lead the space sometimes in, in this way, um, they've recently launched their Spartan Council, where they're actually compensating people to, you know, sort of be a last. Um, I think that they actually act as like a last resort to veto stuff. I'm not sure if they're actively like proposing and and voting. I'm not sure exactly how it works, but it seems like that's like another approach that we can take in terms of if you have a number of people who are delegates, like like yourself, you know, people that are paid to be super involved understand everything that's going on do you think that's like one way to go if, if we're not going to be incentivizing governance
2: yeah i think that that's a more sound sort of strategy for trying to incentivize participation is um targeting like contributors um rather than token holders per se you know generally if if somebody in the, the co-op is able to like articulate kind of like what's happening with a vote really well um, and you know kind of go over the pros and cons and, and what the considerations are that actually makes it a lot easier for just you know regular own 10 index tokens person to to make an informed decision and you know feel com- confident in what they're they're voting on and you know understand the benefits to them like hey if I vote on this, It'll help drive the value of these protocols. It'll help show that Index is a great manager and drive AUM. So yeah, I think compensating contributors is definitely a good idea. I don't know if uh, Index is considering um, like kind of more informal uh, contributor compensation as well. Like the uh, Spartan Council, you have to be elected to it. And then it's it's kind of like a part-time job almost. But I've seen other protocols... Uh, I think Balancer is considering doing this uh, in the future soon, basically just like using a like a software thing like SourceCred, for instance, where it'll give out like small bits of compensation to people who contribute on the forum or in Discord or other kind of more informal means. So I think finding ways that you can compensate informal contributors as well is is interesting. And I'm I'm like looking forward to seeing how that works out.
0: Uh, so it sounds like you're sort of saying that incentivizing uh, participation kind of more broadly isn't really an effective strategy, but at the same time, compensating not core contributors, but active community contributors to participate in, in governance is, is more appropriate. And, and that's sort of what What we thought about, what we came up with is basically the the delegate system, right, where kind of need to have a group of people who are on top of governance and that community members who don't have as much time can delegate their votes to. So that sort of elevates the voting power of the community while has some sort of, like not management structure, but like a governance structure. But that sort of runs into the issue that you need to compensate people, right? So, is it from your perspective, is governance like an actual thing that protocols need to compensate for, like in some fixed or other other way?
2: I, I mean, I, I think governance—it's, you know—it provides a lot of value to these protocols. It's, um, you know, it's critical. They they couldn't really work or generate or capture any value without it. So I think, um, it's, it's definitely worthy of getting some of that value that's produced by the protocol. Um, the governance work, I think it's, it's simpler to sort of like reward contributions posts, um, people like kind of doing work versus voting though. I, I haven't seen like a, a mechanism where you can like Compensate for voting itself without creating like weird um, incentives. I know that uh, KyberDAO, for instance, if somebody delegates to you, you as as the delegate uh, get to earn whatever their like voting rewards are. So that's that's an interesting model where you know the act of actually voting on other people's behalf uh, is is directly compensated. But the flip side of that is that you have you know, an exchange operator like Binance who then creates a staking product, you know, based on KNC, and suddenly they control 50% of the total vote. So I I think that, yes, governance is absolutely real work and it's worthy of compensation, but I don't know if there's like an incentive-aligned way to pay delegates for the act of voting. I think they would need to, uh, yeah, it just takes like a lot of thought to like make sure that it doesn't get captured by an exchange or like some other aggregator or um, somebody automating it.
1: Mm, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you've had a look around at what Index Co-op is doing. And certainly we seem to do pretty well with like compensation generally. I think we'd like to move to SourceCred in the near future if possible. But um, I, I don't know how in depth you've had a look at our governance mining proposal. But uh, as AG sort of touched on there, we're looking at like, Giving out a yield to people and incentivizing them into the system, but it sounds like from what you're saying and, and the thoughts that you've had around it, that can sometimes lead to like unintended unintended consequences or you know perhaps new issues that we hadn't really considered. So yeah, it'll be really interesting to sort of keep you in, in the loop with that and uh, as we go forward, um, sort of yeah, lean on you for your experience and see if we can get a proposal that works. In more broadly I think. Another thing that I did want to touch on is uh, Colony. I dropped you a link just before the, the interview about um, their model. They've just ported to L2 and the way that they are looking at approaching governance is like providing a like off-the-shelf solution basically for DAOs but the thing that was interesting for me was their approach is more based around defaulting to money can move around and, and stuff can happen within the DAO Uh, defaulting to yes and then the power of the community is to step up when they see something happening that shouldn't be and vote against it and say no like this should stop here and the reason that's interesting is because in my experience I've seen it across a number of different projects where having you want to have the community involved of course but that does tend to sort of slow stuff down so I just wonder what you thought about um, that approach and kind of flipping it on its head and whether that had any merit.
2: Yeah I I think that General approach has a lot of merit. I admittedly am not super familiar with colony. I haven't looked into it that much, but I think that the current sort of like workflow of governance is that you need to like organize this whole vote, get a bunch of people to like pay attention and spend a lot of money on gas to get anything to happen. And I think that a bias for action rather than inaction is probably gonna be a lot more productive for these protocols um, going forward. So yeah, I think like, you know, a quote unquote optimistic governance setup where we're assuming that certain, you know, kind of empowered people are gonna make the right decision and then we only need to step in as community members uh, or voters if we decide, hey, we actually think that's the wrong decision. Yeah, I think synthetics is a great example of that uh, where they have like an elected body that can kind of set the direction and then, I think it's like the protocol DAO. They have like another body that can cancel it if necessary. I'm couldn't be on the podcast without plugging my day job, uh, Tally. Uh, we're we're thinking uh, about like how we can build out some new governance infrastructure that that lets kind of these more more optimistic, uh, if you will, uh, governance mechanisms play out. Like, you know, if you can create a multi-sig that has control of some of the governance treasury, but then give token holders a way to cancel transactions, for instance. So I, I think it's still early days. Uh, most of the like governance infrastructure is not built around this sort of workflow yet, but it, it seems like it's it's probably the future of of governance.
1: Yeah, I'm totally on board with that. Um like the colony model makes a lot of sense to me. And I just kind of like flipping stuff over and doing it differently sometimes. So I think it would be really cool to sort of pursue that model and see what happens. I have to say, I've never heard optimistic governance used before. So I hope that that's a brand new term and we can say that it was first coined on the Index Co-op podcast (laughs) because that's great and I love it. Okay, last thing I think, uh, we have an investment committee at the Index Co-op. Um, It was launched by AG, and the idea is that uh, we want to put out content for people who are maybe looking at picking up some DPI and they want to understand, you know, what's inside it, what do these different um, protocols do, what do their business models look like. So we've kicked off the investment committee with a a group of us who are starting to, like, embed ourselves in the other communities. Um, And we've started producing reports that, like, initial deep dives, basically, that take you through everything from community to governance, to business models, exploits, whatever it may be. Um, My question to you is like, as the index co-op starts to build out that role and and we become more involved in the underlying projects, what, what do you think you'd like to see from us um, in terms of that role? Like you're heavily involved with Aave, Compound, Uniswap. What would be useful? What would you like to see from us?
2: So like taking, lending protocols as one example. There's there's kind of like a, an element where like all of these lenders are relying on a shared resource of liquidity on decentralized exchanges that they can use to liquidate against, but they're running risk models, you know, kind of largely, you know, in inside of a box, like just looking at their own system and then they like make some general assumptions about how the rest of the the ecosystem works. But I think... That particular example might be a little little bit far in the weeds, but like there's, there's times when like it makes more sense to think of solutions that work on like a, a ecosystem level and uh, index, you own stakes in all these different protocols. Um, so I think that gives you like a really interesting position to think like, um, hey, what are initiatives that we can pitch to maybe a couple of these protocols at once where they can work together and... Improve the whole ecosystem. Like, how can we think about uh, risk for DeFi in like a more ecosystem level way? That's you know those sort of perspectives. I think it's you know it's really complicated and it's probably like a long term you know endeavor. But uh, I think Index has a unique position of of being able to pursue those sort of of uh, initiatives because you can actually benefit when the whole ecosystem sort of grows together so that's that's something that's really exciting to me i think that to a certain extent like if if index is like putting in a lot of uh, research into these protocols you might find like hey we've thought up this this great idea of how we can build some infrastructure or you know run a proposal for one of these protocols i think getting a little bit more active and apply for a grant from from uniswap for instance or uh submitting a proposal somewhere I think that could be potentially like a a value add and also in a way it uh, as a as a token holder I I want to supply my my assets to somebody who's going to manage them well and and do those sort of like active value add steps for governance. So yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of stuff to be done, but I think Index has a really interesting position of of being like that ecosystem level view of everything.
0: It's it's quite fascinating because what what you're describing right it, it's sort of the role that maybe a fund manager or or a vc would take right so it's interesting because on on one side like our focus is on our own products right and it's kind of early days so we are still really focused on rolling out our products and coming up and sort of promoting them marketing them but then there's this other side of index that can be viewed as you know we invest in all of these underlying projects and and we have that macro big picture view like you described and so but it's a completely different mindset right and and it requires sort of in a way even even maybe a separate team that focuses just on that right so it's quite interesting i had uh, one question for you uh, maybe maybe you've come across this but do you have any thoughts on Hardware-based governance. So there is this project called SpiderDAO, they're building on, on Polkadot. And the idea is basically that you have a piece of hardware that in combination with you holding an X amount of tokens gives you one vote, right? So it doesn't matter like how many tokens you hold, you need one router and X amount of tokens and that only gives you one vote. So that, to me, that is an interesting take on trying to make DAO governance resistant to plutocracy and like governance capture and things like that.
2: Yeah, that's that's um, super interesting. And I I hadn't heard of Spider DAO before. Uh, just like looking it up right before uh, before we met today. I can't pretend to be an expert in general. From what I've heard, I'm a little bit skeptical of trusted hardware solutions for you know decentralized use cases because um, I don't think we know how to like have a decentralized uh, hardware supply chain yet. Um, So there's always like a little bit of like a you know point of failure. Or if one of these um, hardware-enabled DAOs was doing something that a government didn't like, uh, it's kind of like an easy pressure point. What I I do think maybe is like once once these sort of DAO type blockchain based systems are more generally like accepted and used for even like corporate finance or, or maybe even like local government or, or actual like political voting, I think that trusted hardware probably has a big role to play there. Like I could envision, you know, 20 years from now, we cast our presidential votes on like Ethereum or some other, some other network like that. I have a little bit of doubts for like using it in the short term for, uh, for decentralized finance though, because I think it'll kind of create, you know, centralized points of failure.
1: Money Supply, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, thanks for letting us pick your brains. And don't be surprised if you see me steal the term optimistic covenants" <laughs> in the future. Yeah, thanks very much for coming along today.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a, uh, a pleasure.
1: Cheers.